Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. Oh my gosh, they're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes all running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. We've got another breakdown for you, a little bit more on time this week uh, after last week's one was late in the weekend. If anything, you're getting this one a little bit early because I am away in Glasgow for a few days. Uh, But nonetheless, let's get into it. Dan, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. We won't do the pleasantries again. We decided we're going to skip those last episode. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, we're, we're past that. But what we will do is, um, and it'll help us segue nicely as well, is say hello to some of the new audience who might be listening. Yeah. And we'll say why. Just before we do that, though, this isn't a sponsor message. So if you're listening to this on Patreon, Apple, uh, YouTube, all that kind of stuff, then and you normally don't hear adverts, this is just for a good cause. One of the listeners, a very loyal listener, been in touch for a long time as well, has um, wanted to do something to help out the situation in Ukraine. Um, And there was various things he was looking into. And what he's done is set up a clothing site that anything you buy, all profits go to the victims of the war. And he's going to look at how best to distribute that that money and funds um, and match those donations as well. So I'd like to say thank you. If you go to the website, www.bad-vlad.com, Dot com. There was another one, but it wasn't able to be used. Um, so www.bad-vlad.com. The link will be in the description. The website is literally going live as we record this. It's for a very good cause. Um, we have not got anything for it. We're, we wouldn't want money or, or, or any kind of gifts or, or favours for, for reading something like that out. We do try and retweet and, and stuff for any good causes where we can, um, and especially as it's very prevalent. So if you want to help out... Um, 
please go to www.bad-vlad.com and you can get a little something well little supporting victims of the the kind of war over in over in ukraine just now which is obviously affecting millions of people and the quicker that's over the better and hopefully the sooner that you might be listening to this in the future and hopefully it was over and done with pretty pretty much after this so yeah horrible one but we, we, we touched on it last time as well but we can we can crack straight into the, the ufo news folks because so many of you got in touch saying you appreciate especially these types of breakdowns because if it's infotainment information if it's entertainment wh- however you take this even as news then if it gets you away from the, the outside world for 10 minutes or an hour then then great glad we can help out with that podcast can be very therapeutic um Welcome to anyone who's come over to the podcast from the Theories of Everything channel. Kurt J. Mungo uh, very graciously afforded us uh, an advertising spot on his on his channel um, in exchange for helping him out with the, the recent interview he'd done. Uh, we've been in touch with Kurt, Dan, haven't we, for quite a while now. Yeah, and, that's um, right. It's always just nice to chat to him anyway, but he, he offered to, to do that for us in exchange for just a little bit of help. Um, I suppose let's start off with... Uh, it was pretty controversial in, in different ways. Different people have taken his interview with uh, Lou Elizondo and Sean Cahill in different ways. Um, we did help out. We were basically given the, the list of audience questions. It was an audience questions show. It wasn't an interview that Kurt himself put together. And um, we formatted it for Kurt, didn't we? We, we took several run-throughs at the questions. Uh, we listed them in a certain order, which we felt would give him the best flow. Um, and we we negated some of the questions that were perhaps really old hat or not relevant or we thought would would get um some poorer answers as it turns out the the interview it was almost an interview of two halves dan wasn't it where later in the interview uh, lou and sean got a bit irked or annoyed at certain questions and i think honestly a lot of it was the some of the comments and reactions in the live chat from people. There were three and a half thousand people watching that interview live when it happened. Um, and I think anybody knows by now, especially in the UFO community, there's a, a section of keyboard warriors who who want to derail things and get their name put out there. Or, and there was a lot of horrible comments. And it, it gets to a point, I'm sure even people like Lou and Sean who deal with that stuff daily, it just kind of came to a a boiling point, and especially after the couple of weeks Lou had had in terms of the that documentary, I won't give the name of it, that slandered him and brought his family into it, which was a big no-no, and then the accusations of bullying, which were total nonsense that happened, it all kind of came to a head. And I did, I will, I'll, I'll state right now, I felt bad for Kurt. It wasn't aimed at him, uh, but Lou and Sean have both said so, and um, they were just trying to direct the conversation in a way they felt would be beneficial going forward um dan you watched it after the fact because you didn't manage to catch the full thing live um what did you think i i thoroughly enjoyed it so let let me just say hi to everyone that's you know come from theories of everything as well you know what what a cool channel and Kurt, kurt is really trying to dig deep with a lot of different guests on that show and i'd highly recommend that people go watch it um and and it's very cool to be able to help out um with with this kind of conversation as andy said we we kind of helped filter the questions um and there were some 
uh, I'll say negative ones in there as well that we filtered out. And and I think that kind of connects to what we saw in the chat later on. And just we let me since... let me state there, Dan. Ne- negative questions isn't we filtered out hard questions for, for oh, no. Lou. That's not what that means. And you I, you I can you can ask any question you want, just in a decent way. And if if the question was able to be rephrased in a nice way, we did that. Um, but just you know, anything that was disrespectful, we'll say, um, was maybe put down lower on the list or removed from the list. Um, yeah, we we've since found out that a number of accounts in the chat um, were were actually fake accounts using names of pe- other people in the community that spent a lot of time talking and you know researching in the community. <clears throat> so that just gives you an idea of the kind of people that you're dealing with. They're anonymous trolls. They're there to derail the conversation to cause drama in some cases to try and create content for shows, I think. Um, And it got to a point during that conversation where Lou and Sean just started calling it out. And they, they really kind of, I would say put ufology on notice in that moment. And, a lot of people since are kind of disgruntled and a lot of people are really proud of that moment. I know for me, I'm, I'm very proud of the moment that they took the time to say it because there is a lot of BS in ufology. And when I say that word, I don't think of people doing the research and going into the archives and, you, you know, actually looking at the data and trying to figure this out. When I say ufology, I think of the convention circuits and the money making, you know, that constant churn of personality and things like that, where, you, you know, the... You can see it in the the Corey Goods and the David Wilcox of the of the I'll say community because it is a community, but <laughs> I don't include them, you know, in in a small kind of central folk. And yeah, it's it's something that has to go away and will go away as the conversation is adopted into the subjects where it actually will be studied properly. So yeah, I, I, I thought it was what? great. I'll say, and unfortunately, I don't think it will go away, Dan, because I think you see the same thing in other sections of society, regardless of the conversation, that there's always going to be people that choose to ignore whatever the narrative might be or the, the facts and go off on their own tangent. But the best thing we can do is just ignore that and l- listen to other people's opinion if you want to. But like you say, you have to kind of move on from it. And it's it's one of those things like you can you can hide and mute and block people online, but they'll they'll find a way to come back into the conversation some way. It's very difficult to, like you say, Dan, to totally negate that because they found out there was anonymous, you know, accounts that were linked to other people, and that's just the way of life, isn't it? That's not exclusive to UFOs. That happens in all walks of life, especially online, and it's really unfortunate. But yeah, yeah. The, 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 the conversation as well like and i can totally appreciate why some people were potentially annoyed at the reaction or the language or the context but i think there's there, there's interpretation open here like you say you really enjoyed it i was on the fence in terms of the conversation i said at the time i think it's one that in future will be looked back on a lot more positively than it was received at the time and, and maybe since and i can even see some of the listeners that have messaged me about it have watched it a second time and decided on second viewing, actually, if I put things in a little context and take away that shock from the first time watching it, it it's a little bit more digestible. I, I think one of the comments, a few of you got in touch about this as well, that they felt a little disappointed when they felt the UFO community was being attacked. People like Lou and others who are kind of on your side, if you feel that, and even if you want to include us in that, 
that the UFO communities split into a lot of different, you know, sections and it wasn't aimed at everyone who's got an interest in UFOs. Like Dan said, it was it was that little very vocal minority, which which is because people pr- probably don't appreciate even like UFO Twitter or, or UFO Facebook, you know, there's there's sections on there like that. There's massive chats or UFO Reddit, which has half a million members of it. There there are there are still sections which shout the loudest and a lot of the really good people get drowned out or don't get involved in the conversation because of that or they don't know how to to engage or don't want to engage in that kind of negativity and i think it was those negative aspects of the community that that lou and sean were were getting really frustrated at because they themselves had seen the effect of it over the course of i mean let's be honest years and months but particularly over a couple of weeks and i i thought it crazy and this i think the idea that they were both in the same room causing a conspiracy was was wild as it and it was like i mean it's quite clear they were in the same room when you saw lou walk past the mirror and it was like what's the big deal it was like that time you were in (laughs) london dan and we were all sitting next to each other recording on on vinny's channel and it was like oh look at they're all together are are they in the same room yeah they're just on two different cameras so they're not next to each other for the sound yeah that's that's essentially what it was i mean they are friends and they do visit each other uh and as we found out it was online uh, there was a wedding that weekend, which they were both there for. So they were they were in the same place and done the interview at the same time, um, which is ideal. If Dan and I could travel constantly to do interviews or these in the same place, it would be much easier. But we wouldn't sit side by side doing the recording. You would have to plan and be apart and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, even things like that, I think, really frustrated them. And the frustrations came to a boiling point. Cut obviously got that in the neck as such during the interview and i would encourage people again it's it's totally your your prerogative and we're going to discuss a few different interviews that have happened over the last couple of uh, last week or so on this uh, breakdown as well as some news and you can take away from the interviews what you want to take away if you feel there was nothing there in terms of news or updates that's that's totally fair and if you feel the conversation was unjustified or then that's totally fair but maybe take a second viewing of it, especially that last half, and just sit back and think, what what's the commentary here on the conversation that people are having? And again, I think that has been the, the peak and boiling point of this down period. It almost feels like that kind of came to a head of that lack of news and updates and Lou went on a big channel and, and didn't give us a big reveal and you know everyone's waiting on the next video the book coming out they're waiting on the office updates they're waiting on the reports and then the reports come out they'll be disappointed that all the classified information isn't declassified and that's that's the nature of the subject and i just think it's again peaks and troughs the the good and the bad and i just think we hit a bit of a peak for a lot of different reasons there and we're kind of on the way down and we can kind of reflect on it and and move on and people are quite right to feel I'd, i'd emphasize grow though yeah, You know, not just move on, but grow, like really internalize what Lou and Sean said, because they were absolutely correct. Like if you feel attacked, maybe that's because you're someone who has facilitated that kind of conversation in the past or feels that maybe deep down that you have, instead of feeling annoyed about that, just grow a little bit and kind of go, you know what? Yeah, it's time the subject grew up. We're no longer dealing with something that's just in the fringes and in the shadows. This is legislation now. This is being talked about in the halls of you know, the the Pentagon and the White House freely, they, they don't need to go into those secure rooms anymore. So we we kind of need to grow up with the conversation as well. 
and and just kind of last word on it i'm uh i'm still hopeful that i've not heard otherwise the interview with lou will go ahead in just over a month's time um it might end up being one of his last ones for a while who knows at, at this rate they they appear to be winding down like they've said that's no secret and i would hope afterwards lou's interviews are on much bigger platforms in the mainstream to do with his book and getting that conversation back out there like happened like happened last summer that's what i would hope you know that he gets on to joe rogan and he's back on 60 minutes fox cnn nbc you know whatever the big news channels are worldwide to get out there and have that conversation um but yeah i think it's a conversation that if if our interview goes ahead with lou really think of the questions you want to ask i I, i'm not scared of you know hardballing anyone that that doesn't happen like dan says there are there are just good questions lou himself has always said that he he will he, he can ask him anything he tells us that before we even interview him ask me anything again there's respectful ways to do it and i won't ask a question that's just one person's attack on someone else that's whether that's at lou or at someone else there's no point even if I'm asking a question about, you know, Dr. Stephen Greer or a Corey Good or um, David Wilcox, there's still respectful ways to do it, whether I like or and or disagree with those people's opinions. That's yeah. just the way it's kind of got to be, I think, to have a, a reasoned conversation. I, I think as a, as a little word of advice for people writing their questions is just don't include your opinion in the question. That's it. Like if, if you're asking someone for information, there's no reason for your opinion to be there. You want them to be talking. Just prompt them. And I am going to try and with this interview as well, because Lou's still got a few interviews coming up. I believe he's on UCR um, in the next day or so as we record this. Uh, yeah, uh, Friday the 18th, he'll be on UCR. Am I right in saying he's on Linda Moulton Howe's show coming up? Possibly. Uh, they, there's a bunch of dates, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few more still to go. And I would suggest people listen to those and really think about if, if you really want to put a good question to Lou, I will put great questions to Lou. I'll do a whole interview with Lou where I don't ask him anything of my own if all the other questions I perceive as being better. If that sounds big-headed, I apologise. But the questions there's no point in asking about oh the tic tac that commander fravor saw you know there, there are ways to ask about the 23 minute video and we'll get to that in a second with martin willis's interview but if you listen to a lot of lou interviews you're going to keep hearing the same stuff because he keeps being asked the same questions we'll really do our best to make sure it's a, an interview and a conversation about going forward um and if we do a lot about digging back the way we'll make sure it's stuff that's not covering old ground because that must be boring for the interviewer as well i've done a couple of interviews on on other podcasts um and i i'm really happy to help out other podcasts especially when they're starting out and growing because i remember what that was like and i'm, I'm fortunate to have the audience i've got now but you do end up getting just asked the same questions off everyone you know but i get you've got different audiences and different people hearing it and i get for someone like lou like sean like a jacques valet a gary nolan um uh you know like Michael Masters, Tim McMillan, all these people who I've interviewed, they do lots of interviews and they probably hear the same stuff. And on a media run, I'm guessing there comes a point where it's like, yep, here we go. I'll answer that question again. And they do it with a little bit less verve and pizzazz and charisma than they would have done in the first time or second time round. But anyway, a lot of interviews have happened in the last week and we want to touch on some of those. Once again, thanks to everyone who's come over. Thank you to Kurt Jai Mungo for the shout out from Theories of Everything. And thank you to you, just the normal audience who, who comes back week after week. So, um, oh, I thought you were thanking me. 
Still got, there, <laughs> there are many reasons I shouldn't thank you, Dan. But yeah. Um, so yeah, let's move on. Another interview um, that happened was Lou and Sean and Danny Sheehan joined Thomas Fessler. Again, all the links for these interviews will almost definitely be in the description if I remember. I've made a note to do it. Um, I, th- I told Dan that beforehand, like, remind me. Um, but Dan, you enjoyed a particular... Um, moment Danny Sheehan had on Thomas Fessler's if you want to to relay yeah, that back. I, I dubbed the moment the UAP and the butterfly. I thought I thought it was a really nice fable that, that Danny spoke about. Um it was prompted by some conversation about will UAP or the occupants of UAP help us in Ukraine or if there's nuclear you, you know uh conflict if they'll step in and stop it and so on and so forth. Um you know why why aren't we being helped? And Danny told this fable and and I kind of can't remember it verbatim but basically the idea was that there was a, a boy who was watching a, a butterfly come emerge from a cocoon and he watched this butterfly struggle out and the butterfly went to fly away and it had emerged fine except for this one little silver strand that was still holding it to the cocoon so the boy thinking he was helping it snipped the strand um but unfortunately it meant the butterfly couldn't fly unbeknownst to the boy that silver strand was the the struggle that basically when the butterfly was strong enough to break that silver strand it could actually fly on its own now it built um, the muscles didn't yeah, it in exactly the it yeah. built the muscles up um so he he was likening that to to this moment for us in the uap subject that maybe as a as a species we need to grow up in the same way and this is this is the moment where you don't want to cut that silver thread and that's essentially what UAP stepping in here would do. Um, you, you know, we need to emerge on our own terms and, and stand on our own two feet. And I, I thought that it, it was a nice fable and it applies to a lot in life as well. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Again, the link for that interview will be within the description. It was happened around the same time as Kurtz and also the the next one, which I, I managed to actually catch this one myself in pretty much in full. Uh, Martin Willis of Podcast UFO, who's been going quite a long, a long time. I think he said, um, eight or nine years maybe more than that martin willis has been commenting on the subject yeah online and i used to listen to martin willis well before i started my own too um so he had gary nolan on for the first part of the show and then lou elizondo for the second part but there was a bit of overlap as well which i found really interesting um and we're going to mention body language in a couple of interviews here i think as well um always encourage you to go and watch and listen any of these interviews watch them on youtube or listen to them on your your audio platforms um yourself regardless of what i think or dan thinks or the community thinks go and watch it and make up your own mind because just because i don't take something from an interview or dan does doesn't mean you might have a totally different takeaway from it and that's that's where you can really build your own kind of opinion and knowledge on the subject um so please please go and check these all out but um martin started off by saying there were five moderators in the chat for his conversation with gary nolan and i think that was a commentary on the, the state of affairs we find ourselves in now that content creators are a bit worried about the, the online trolls and keyboard warriors and stuff but it's it's part of that conversation and it wasn't just on on kurt's channel um Martin Willis asked Gary about Michael Masters' time traveller theory, and Gary came back with a retort from his friend Jacques Vallée, which I thought was quite good. And he mentioned about, uh, you know, so essentially, Gary, what do you think about the idea that Michael Masters and others have said this is future humans or time travellers coming back to this point in time for whatever reason? And and Gary, uh, quite cleverly avoiding the question in a sense, but also giving us a, a great comment from his friend Jacques Vallée was, or maybe it's something that's trying to look like it's coming from the future. 
And I thought that was quite interesting. Again, that that idea, Dan, you're much more read up on Jacques Vallée's theories and ideas than myself, but where does that sit for you and what Jacques talks about in his ideas? I, I mean, it's absolutely correct. Basically, we're, we're referencing slide nine here, that kind of complete cognitive control of our environment or our perception, one of one of those. Basically, if there exists a life form who can manipulate what we see, all better off, it can show us what it wants to show us. And it would probably, I mean, at least if we had that technology and we were going to another planet, we would misrepresent ourselves so that we could ease the people in a little better. Um, and, and that's some of the thinking behind how these these anomalous events over the years, Jack Vallée's work goes way, way, way back looking at just some strange sightings. And it used to be airships, but now we kind of have these smooth, seamless, technologically superior craft that we see. So you have to wonder if maybe our our collective perception of what something other would look like is actually being maybe guided or you, you know fulfilled in a way by something that can project a hologram essentially. And you think of even our own technology in, in terms of space travel. What at one point we could launch things into space, but we couldn't bring them back. It's not safely. And then we could launch things into space to probe other planets. Like a... Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah animals and then you had the uh, you know we were crashing probes into planets whereas now we've got to a point we can put landers onto planets that that roll around and if you're an alien life form or if you're the humans of that planet and you saw the mars rover for example is that really representative as a species of our technology not really it's just it's just a thing we have and we've developed to work on that planet so potentially whatever we are seeing on this planet is just the rover for somewhere else where that's the technology they have developed and they've sent elsewhere that they're using to to navigate and explore and it might be for them relatively primitive it might be a real offshoot of something else they have which is actually much more practical where they are like for example us you wouldn't use a mars rover to drive about well you know barry in wales would you dan because you, <laughs> you wouldn't get very far very quickly no not that it's the biggest place in the world but you know you're you're kind of stuck with a very slow moving couple of meters a day i think it is isn't it yeah it's very uh, slow deliberate movement, very clunky you know? not the best and potentially as much as we think they look advanced that's the craft and the the equipment and the technology we are seeing when these uaps appear and maybe orbs craft you know cigar shaped triangles are just different variations like we send up to different planets depending on depending on their purpose but yeah just food for thought and and that, i never made a note of that that was just something i thought of so hopefully that made sense to folks um gary and lou mentioned uh, lou came on relatively quickly in the interview um he said he was a fan of gary's obviously he worked alongside him several in several different capacities and they said they were working on things to come out in the future um in terms of more of an academic side of things so something to look forward to any hints or ideas dan at what what they might be getting at there in terms of academia I, I would go with probably we'll be seeing more papers come out studying these materials that are purported to be anomalous. Um, and probably, um, at least we've heard a lot about biological studies and databases, um, especially through the Skinwalker at the Pentagon book and, and the OSAP stuff. I, I think we might start seeing some more studies of that open up so is, we can actually read about them. Is Gary on the Galileo project? think so but i don't know yeah i was going to say because even that might be an aspect of it as well in the background dan's going to just double check that one but 
there's potential there that again you're working with with academia with you know mainstream academic scientists and such on on projects like that as well so that that was pretty interesting um another thing i wanted to bring up just before dan comes back yes he is yes there you go that could also be an aspect of it too um lou says on the the 15th of march as it was recorded the aoi msg um has had funding approved and sits under the Under Secretary of Defence. Um, Lou didn't speak negatively on the AOIMSG, Dan. Does this mark a turning point that that department is happening and we just have to let it be and work with it in terms of... Our friends at Manscaped have you covered as the nights get lighter and you venture out to stargaze. Make sure it's not just the sky that's clear. Join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Use code ANDYUFO to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing Performance Package 4.0. Inside this care bundle for your secret tech, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs and a Travel Bag to Hold Your Goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is tech so advanced it's still being reverse engineered at Area 51, with an LED torch so bright you could use it to film UFO documentaries in South America. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturiser. It's starting to get hot outside and it's crucial your orbs don't keep sticking to your leg. If you purchase now, you'll receive two free gifts, the Performance Boxer Briefs and Shed Travel Bag. So don't delay folks, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ANDYUFO at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code ANDYUFO at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Do you, I mean, we, we have a legislation update in this. We can jump into that now if you want and kind of... Yeah, yeah it might be a good place it, yeah. to bring it in, yeah. yeah. Cool, nice. Um, yeah, so on the 15th, um, Biden, President Joe Biden signed the Intelligence Authorization Act 2022, um, or the Omnibus Spending Bill, I should say. It was signed into law, and it requires a couple of things. One, data sharing immediately with the Navy UAP Task Force and the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, which is based at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. If your hackles go up at the Woods Air Force, you're doing this subject correctly. Um, And also to include quarterly reports. So that passed. So we can now expect those the, the first report. And bear in mind, this will be a classified report to the Armed Services and Intelligence Committees. That will come on the 13th of June, 2022. Under the Gillibrand Amendment, which the correct term for that is PL11781, it's a big mouthful, um, that's what passed over Christmas, we'll be looking at a classified briefing on around the, the end of this month, around the 28th of March, and then the first public report that we'll see from uh, 11718 is will be at Halloween, the 31st of October. There are a couple of other interesting things in in that bill that was a strengthening protections for ic whistleblowers ic being intelligence community so that would maybe apply to some of these people that we are hoping will come out of the woodwork and start talking about this it'll give them some kind of apparatus and protection to start doing that and also there's a new program office for commercial geospatial data 
which it's a bit of a mouthful, but basically it means that the National Reconnaissance Office and the National Geospatial Intelligence Office are planning to establish an office that is responsible for gathering data from commercial companies of from things like satellites. They're calling it GeoInt. Uh, so companies in private aerospace putting satellites in the air, taking certain readings, all of that data will also go to into this office. And I imagine that will be invaluable to the search for UAP. Excellent. Thank you. And some good uh, dates to mark on your calendar there as well. Uh, we can guarantee we'll have some breakdowns, breaking news updates out on those those dates for you if there's there's stuff to talk about, which I'm sure there will be regardless, even if it's language and uh, putting a, a fine tooth comb over the, the details on there as well. Um, a few more things from the interview. One one for me that I would encourage people, if you weren't going to go and watch the full thing, especially there was one bit where Gary Nolan was talking about investigating the atomic structure of potential bodies that may or may not be recovered from from crashes to to investigate how you would work out if they're if they're human or not um and i go and watch what gary says it's pretty interesting it's very much speculative and just this is what i would do it's not what he has done so he says um but lou is watching it and i think the body language lou is pretty interested and intrigued at what gary was saying and i mean you could probably really look into it and be like lou's making sure he doesn't see anything untoward here i don't think lou gives much away in terms of he doesn't flinch or smile or wink or anything at the camera but lou was watching it pretty intently and um so go go and watch that little bit of body language as, as gary's talking about how you would examine that any potential body um i think it was off the back of earlier in the, the show they had talked about the, the atacama body that of course we found out yeah, was that's a, right it was a skeleton of a humanoid little, little baby essentially more than likely um from some time ago um and and just to round off the last thing in the interview that I thought was was pretty interesting, and it's something I've brought up before, and I suppose it depends where you land in the conversation in terms of conspiracy and and trust in the government or not and other people as to to how you might feel about this. Lou made the comment that not everyone with a security clearance is trying to deceive you. And I had this notice too. <laughs> yeah, I was. I've I've put my notice exactly. People forget that many of the folks coming out of these briefings are leaving very highly classified briefings and they're probably calling home to to check on how the kids are or they're calling up a care home to find out how their elderly relatives getting along just now if they had their meds how they're coping to some kind of treatment they go home and they probably order domino's pizza or papa john's or whatever your local pizza place is after a break they go to disneyland for a holiday and these are the shadowy figures that people refer to and I think it's like, no doubt there are some of those classic Hollywood type people in the halls of government as we hear that are trying to do bad and trying to do, you know derail the conversation and keep things covered up. But you can't think everyone is. And if you're going to use that blanket term, the government, it covers too much. Um, so I, I do think you, you have to, I think I anyway, you don't have to, that's wrong. I can't tell you what to do, but... I've got faith there are some people, whether they are in intelligence or counterintelligence or their military or navy or police, air pilot, air force pilot, civilians. Some are good, some are bad, some are in the middle somewhere, but they do a role. And and again, if you're just going to take everyone as being a liar, then you're you're not going to get far in the subject, other than having your own experiences. So it's just just a little bit of food for thought for people because we're in a time where we are getting more and more people coming forward 
to have those conversations. Most recently, John Ramirez, well, actually not most recently, and what we're going to talk about next. But John Ramirez, obviously, most notably, came out quite recently, done a lot of interviews and talked about a lot of really interesting ideas, some from a place of knowledge, some pure speculation. Others met somewhere in the middle, it, it would appear. Um, and like you say, Dan, with this new legislation having protection for whistleblowers from the IC community coming out, there's a chance we're going to get more of that. I prefer to listen and make up my own mind depending on what they say in their background and, and everything else. But anything else to add on that? Yeah, same. Um, just to just to note the bit where Lulu was asked about something and he said his hope for the future is that there will be a six-month serial amnesty period um, to get people that had been involved in this cover-up to come forward and start talking. Um, I, I've made allusions to apartheid in South Africa where we needed to work with the people we saw as enemies to figure out what parts of the system were broken and to try and fix them um, You know, to varying degrees of success. But I, I feel personally, at least, like we need to do something similar purely because the people that have done the cover-up may have a reason they feel is justified. Um, this comes back to the whole talk about the UFO community. You know, it's made up of people. We all have individual desires. No two people are the same. We all have different beliefs. So the sooner that, you, you know, people split up that community and start thinking of us all as just people, um, the same with the world at large, I think I think the better we'll learn to work with each other a bit more. Um, yeah. Dan, you and I are very different in a lot of ways. And even in the UFO conversation, like you come from a very different place. There are, there are places we definitely meet in the middle, 100% people hear that. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff where you've got a real interest and I'm like, meh. And there's yeah, stuff sure. that I've got more of an interest in where you're like, yeah, okay. But, and it's, again, you just have to, okay, cool. I, I hear what you're saying. But I think this and you kind of change and your your opinion should be fluid and kind of mold as you kind of, as you grow. And if you say yeah. using your word from earlier. Like we, we never, you know, when we talk about these things, we're never attacking each other personally, right? Like <laughs> what we think That's... of each other as people is totally separate. Uh, I mean, unless there's a dialogue going on in your head that I, I am unaware of. There's, but, uh... always, there's always a second dialogue going on in my head. <laughs> but, I but you know you. what I'm getting at. You 100%. Know, we, we do not take this personally. Uh, we're, we're all on the same side trying to figure this out. So we should uh, learn to identify our allies. Yeah, that's it. Um, the uh, segueing into that roughly, uh, Project Unity had an interview that just... Ooh, sorry, one Ooh. more thing. Just because, go on. Go, go, uh, go. Gary, in the interview, um, recommended some books uh, that people should read. And then Gary will be able to open up a bit more on the conversation. Those two books were by Richard Dawkins. They were The Selfish Gene and The Blind Watchmaker. So if you have read them and you have any ideas, give us a shout. But I'm going to be picking up those soon and I'll, I'll have a read. I think I'm getting better at this, Dan. Can you just, because people will have heard that and went, oh, oh, there was recommendations. Just repeat those books for us again. The Selfish Gene and and a separate book, The Blind Watchmaker, both by Richard Dawkins. There you go. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, Project Unity, Jay over there had, uh, who's been quiet for a while, announced he had, ad well, he, what he said at first was he had a huge interview that um, Bigger Than Chris Mellon was the, the hype. And it was, let's be honest. Um, Admiral Bobby Ray Inman, who has quite the background when you when you look at what his former positions have been, the organisations he's worked in within government, and it goes back quite some time. Um, Admiral Inman is, is 90 years of age now, so I don't think he's done many interviews. I think the most notable recent one was 1989, I think, in many of the conversations yeah, I had seen. Back. So yeah, you're, you're looking at like, I was three, you know, 
So you're you're going back thirty three, thirty almost thirty five years to when he really last spoke out on on the topic in conversation. And I'm probably getting this slightly wrong. Please look it up yourself. But I I believe even then it was a a conversation that leaked that wasn't meant to be recorded on the topic of UFOs that that he was involved and in, he was named on. So he's not necessarily someone that's that's been out and about in the past jumping on various different radio shows or TV programs as it would have been back in the, the 70s and 80s and 90s talking about the UFO subject. It seems he did have an involvement, no reportedly, in many, many different ways. The interview just happened or just aired last night. I've not had the chance to, to watch it myself. I believe it's only an hour or so long. Um, it's, yeah, just, just shy of an hour, I think, about 51 minutes. Yeah, and that probably reflects, and, and I, again, like any of those other interviews, go and watch it yourself and make up your own mind. Um, but Jay himself, I've seen comment on on his live chat and from some of the people in the that UFO podcast Discord channel who had watched it and commented, it was a bit of an awkward one. Again, this has maybe been the theme of the last week for some of these interviews, uh, as it seems the guest wasn't necessarily playing ball in terms of the questions. A lot of people in advance thought Admiral Inman was going to be coming out and having a conversation openly about UFOs and the history and his involvement. And it seems the the takeaway headline from myself, and I know you've got a takeaway, Dan, as well, from for many people, including Jay himself, who said, yeah, it was a little bit you know, awkward and not what he expected. Admiral Inman more or less brushed off the subject as being um, Navy misidentifications and adversarial drone technology. And there was also a, a body language aspect of it, Dan. I've seen a few people comment on yeah, that, yeah. that was something you picked up. For sure. The the interview, you know, Jay, Jay speaks to Admiral Inman about a whole bunch of things like his career. And about halfway through the interview, it switches to be covering UAP. And Admiral Inman's body language visibly changes. He He goes from very relaxed and he sits up and the arms cross and he's totally closed off. And as soon as he did it, I thought, oh God, the community is going to have a, a great, I've used that word again, community. People are going to have a great time with uh, analyzing this body language because I think it's quite telling. He essentially just denied everything and fooled the subject. Interviews like this, it's best to not have any expectations and just be thankful that we're getting this person on record. Mm-hmm. That that was the bottom line for me. So I'm I'm not too perturbed that he denied everything. It's it's more for me about making sure that we get this person on record saying whatever he's going to say. Yep, and and in the annals of history, down the line, maybe those comments turn out to be correct, false, or or somewhere in the middle, which is always probably more likely to be the the case yeah. in this subject as well. But again, the link for that will be in the the conversation in the conversation in the description of this. Uh, of this conversation jesus i just really want to see the word conversation folks just say it man embrace it conversation (laughs) yeah because that's all this is is a conversation folks don't get upset um but yeah project unity check that out admiral bobby ray inman um a relatively short interview especially for for jay's style and channel go check that one out and let us know your thoughts that's pretty much it from an interview point of view for for the last week um i recommend people go and check all of those out um a lot to digest some controversial stuff some really deep conversation maybe some laundry that had to be aired uh, and it it happened you know kind of on on different channels or or didn't happen as some of them went but it's the the laundry i think just to kind of put a pin in it it's it's this juxtaposition that we can be talking about aliens and eating and coming here and being all you know we're going to work with aliens from another planet 
when some people can't even get over the fact that there are other people in other countries with different beliefs. And it's just to say the community or people in the community need to take a look in the mirror and think about really what they want in the future. Because if aliens came down, would they be able to stomach working with them? Would they like that? Or do they just like the idea that they have in their heads of this, you know, sci-fi narrative? You know, we, we need to think about how we treat others here before we can fully embrace looking outside of humanity. And that's, again, not to go for everyone. Some people are, are great, but there's just that weird juxtaposition that keeps coming up. Yeah. And but, but before we start sounding like guardians of the conversation, folks, you don't take anything we say with a pinch of salt, please. But it's, it would just be easier if folks allowed other people to share their opinions and decide whether or not they wanted to, to go along with that and then move on. And that that's it. But people get very argumentative. Um, speaking of which, I've got Joe Murgia coming on, uh, hopefully next week or so, to, to have it. Joe won't mind me saying that, um, to come on and have a chat about a few different things. So, Amazing. That'd be uh, great. Joe, yeah, Joe likes, to, Joe, Joe likes to get involved in a few different conversations, doesn't he? He won't mind. And um, I, I, it's great to go over all this kind of stuff with him as well as to, to where he's at. And he's got some really good sources. Um, I was going to say allegedly, but definitely from from some of the claims he makes and some of the people he speaks to, that'll be an interesting one as well. So yeah, look forward to um, bringing Joe in, breaking the ice there, Dan, after some heavy conversation on other people's <laughs> conversation. There's that word again. Um, and to wrap up, Dan, uh, John Greenwell, The Black Vault, uh, no doubt you are aware or have checked out his website or Twitter feed. Um, he done a little bit of foyering as is his life. Um, that's what he does as a day job, and it's grueling and strenuous, and he gets a lot of um, a lot of nothing from that at times. But when he gets something good, it tends to be pretty good. And it was picked up uh, on Yahoo, Vice, uh, and other other um, different media outlets as well. That the Obama Library is releasing some ATIP articles. Dan, is that correct? That is correct. It, the The word releasing is generous. Uh, there are three thousand hmm. seven hundred articles that that will eventually be released through the Obama Library. The fact they exist there is very surprising. Unfortunately, John, John asked to do an on-site visit to look at the unclassified material and was told that they will take approximately 16 years to prepare. So it's going to be a while. He, he put out a call for some officials to maybe help him get this process moved along. And who knows, there, there might be an expedition process going on in the background for this stuff. We know there are some other places who have documents that are currently going through them at the moment. But for me, it, it's clear that FOIA work is ongoing to get documents for these programs behind the scenes. So even when that thing's happening, there are definitely people in those halls digging up these OSAP and ATIP documents for us to eventually see uh, the the non-sensitive stuff but there must be an, an overwhelming of people asking for this stuff for this much of a coordinated effort to be happening with them and it's good that it's coming from various different places rather than having one gatekeeper uh, for the official government uh, documents they the obama library one of the nice things about it is that they want it to be an all digitized library completely digitized so that it will eventually all be online Tim Burchett, Congressman Tim Burchett, we've seen him pop up in the past in support of this kind of UAP initiative. He retweeted John and simply wrote, keep digging, this is a cover-up. Yeah, I saw that online as well. And you wonder, as again, with what's going on in the background with the, the task force, old task force office being set up, the OIMSG, you know, approvals, funding happening, 
is a lot of this also in response to the fact these organisations, senators and congressmen and women alike, are are starting to ask for this stuff for themselves in the background. And it's a case of some of these organisations trying to get in ahead of the game and get through this documentation first. And unfortunately, maybe some of it's getting removed or redacted that we don't even know. But, you well, know, again, the, just getting ahead of things. This, I think, has something to do with the information and data sharing that's being requested in the legislation that's been passing. They need to hand over this stuff immediately. Obviously, between departments, they don't need to classify as much when, they, when they're, when they you know, cleared to see these certain things. But in terms of going through it, it seems like they're going through it once and kind of making separate piles of stuff that's okay for us to see and not. Um, mm-hmm. But rather than releasing it as they go, uh, I, I think we'll just all see, we'll, we'll see an ATIP archive dump at some point of unclassified material. And uh, as always, to finish up uh, this breakdown, we've got a James Webb update, don't we, Dan? We um, do. Because the, the mirrors are 100% aligned now, and we got our first clear picture. Um, That's so right. We've come a long way in a couple of yeah. <laughs> we've come a long way in a couple of weeks from that bloody picture where people were like, "Oh my god, is that the quality we're going to get? That's awful. It looks black and white, and it's fuzzy." And we've got something pretty incredible now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know the the James Webb Telescope has a bunch of different sensors. What what we saw aligned was the the NIA cam. It's called. It's the main observation camera, and there are a whole bunch of sensors around that that they'll now kind of be tweaking to work with that NIA cam sensor better over the next few months. But basically, the telescope is performing at or above expectations. The image they took was just an evaluation image to see if it was all aligned. They focused on the one star that you can see in the middle. If you look at the thumbnail, if you're seeing this on YouTube, you'll you'll see that image. Uh, And we can link to it as well. Um, But yeah, they, they focused on one star. And completely by coincidence, the telescope is so sensitive that we actually saw a lot of buttload of galaxies in the background and you can kind of almost see the spiral arms and it's so good that i would expect over the next couple of weeks that we'll actually see some papers written about the findings based on that evaluation image we we don't even have all the sensors kind of spitting out data to us yet and and it's so 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 exciting to see this coming from just uh yeah let's just check it's working (laughs) and uh yeah it it is (laughs) outstandingly and I think it's a nice place to end there on on the conversation we've had on this one, talking about all those kind of factions and broken aspects of different communities within the UFO field and subject that forget all that and what we're looking at in terms of the subject and just look at what we are looking at out in there in the reaches of space and the things this telescope this year might dig up for us, not saying it's going to you know confirm alien life on another planet, but we're going to probably get some pretty incredible images, ones that maybe do start getting some of those those mainstream more of those mainstream scientists because i got into trouble off of a mainstream scientist recently for saying that they aren't involved when some of them are but maybe more of those mainstream scientists going maybe there is more out there and there's a lot more that we could be looking into um probably fair dan yeah absolutely you you know it's fair to say that we are looking in certain ways for other signs of intelligent life it's just that our idea of what that is right now is fairly limited and the more we go forward, the more we seem to be broadening what could be possible. And the exciting thing about James Webb is the stuff that we really don't know that it's going to even show us yet. Four or five years, we'll have some revelations to talk about from this thing. But for now, it's just a very, very cool piece of technology that's, you know, shifting the paradigm in space study a little bit. 
Absolutely. And just to finish off, folks, remember, if you want to help out um, one of the listeners who set up a wonderful organization where you can get a little something back for donating and helping out victims of the war in Ukraine, it's www.bad-vlad.com. And the link will be in the description again. Dan, thank you very much for your time. You know what? I, I got to the mute button then to not say I was on mute, but I, I clicked it twice. So I put myself back on mute. So I'll, I'll give it a good. I was on mute and thank you for having me. And uh, I'll catch you next time. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little rat. Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. And I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should because it doesn't really scare me. If you really want to know who I think they'd be, I think it's you and me and us and we and him and her and that and she and that thing over there and what's that, Jake?
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.